show everybody uh this week i decided because last week let's see guess what happened because all this happened as i was going through the um the, the post-production phase pretty much right and i may cut that fan off yeah i think I'm cutting the fan off one second cutting the fan off that's what we're doing um so anyways um, so the reason why the, the best five Survivor Series moments were put on Sunday is because as I was going through everything, I ended up going almost an hour on the AEW stuff alone, uh, because it was, it was a good pay-per-view, it was a great pay-per-view actually. And so I said, as I'm putting the show together, I'm sitting here and we went to like 25, 30 minutes on the NXT and SmackDown stuff, and like another 20 minutes on the Raw stuff. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a long show as it is. Let me break this down so that way if people don't necessarily want to listen to just the, or they don't want to, if people don't want to listen to or have to wait until the end to listen to the Survivor Series stuff, they can listen to it in its own separate episode and then they can get the normal show. And so that was done very last minute. I actually put the show together and everything. I'm about to hit you know, combine and all, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, something just felt wrong. Like, I don't mind. I personally don't mind three-hour paper, I mean, uh, podcasts. Like, that's one thing about the, that got me hooked on the uh, Something to Wrestle With podcast when they were first doing them was that they were three hours. Um, sometimes I think three and a half. I, I, I don't know if it was four. I'm trying to think. I think there was one or two that were like close to four hours. I love that type of stuff because I usually just listen to that stuff when I get in my car, drive back and forth. So it's constantly something to listen to, not listening to the same music or having to find new music or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't mind that, but at the same time, I do know that it, it does mean a little extra something to get those clips where you just want to hear that clip. And so anyway, so I decided just to continue that on since this is the last weekend we're doing this. And then by the time you're hearing this, the following weekend will be Survivor Series. So, and because the show drops on Monday, it's like, you. I, I wanted to make sure it got out before then. So, either way, it'll be fine. Um, so, anyways, we've been through the top five best eliminations, in my opinion. The five dumbest ways to be eliminated, in my opinion. Five best moments was just last week. This week, we're going to touch on the five best matches. Now, some of the stuff we've already kind of touched on. So, I won't spend much time on one or two of these matches, but the other ones will definitely get some more love. Not because I like them more, just because we've kind of already touched on that um, in previous weeks. So, number one, once again, these are in no specific order. It's just the way I wrote them down and, and did, did, did things in my mind. But number one is Team Cena versus Team Authority 2014. We talked about this last week in the, in, in the top five best moments with Sting's debut. So I don't want, really want to rehash it, but I'll do a little 
But to catch up just to give you guys more of the backstory. So heading into 2014, the authority was in power. The authority had everything. They had Seth Rollins, who was Mr. Money in the Bank. Uh, Brock Lesnar was your WWE champion. Um, I believe Roman Reigns was out for some reason. I don't know why. I can't remember why. Because this, this team scene was a hodgepodge of people. And I believe Reigns was out with an injury at the time. Yeah, he definitely was. Because that, that's when he first came back. Um, and he got booed when he was via satellite tremendously. Um, but Team Authority consisted of Luke Harper, Corporate Kane, me, uh, I was about to say Miro, but yeah, Rusev, um, Mark Henry, and Seth Rollins, who was team leader. Team Cena consisted of obviously John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan. Ryback and Big Show, as I said, a hodgepodge of people. But all these people were, uh, at least on at least on Team Cena's side, all these people have been kind of screwed over by the authority at one point. Big Show, they owned his house or whatever, and fi- and and finally he, uh, I, I miss I misspoke last week because I had my timelines off. When Big Show knocked out Triple H, that's when the Shield was still together a couple years prior or the year prior, excuse me. So that wasn't that, that had nothing to do with this one. Was just a stupid storyline where. For some reason, um, even they have that, even had Shawn Michaels do it, like Bradshaw owned Shawn Michaels' home or whatever. Somehow the authority ended up own, owning Big Show's home, and it was such it was so stupid. But finally he broke free of them to join Team Cena. Ryback was on the fence; he didn't know who to join, and he ended up joining Team Cena just because you no, know, he saw how Team Authority worked. He didn't like how they worked, so that's how he was there. Eric Rowan joined because he wanted to oppose. Luke Harper, but they just need something. They were they were trying to they were trying to put him in a in in a, in a spotlight, you know, which is cool. You know, I just like I said as I said last week, I just never saw anything in him, you know. But once again, that could have been the way they presented him, you know. Now that he's on the um, out in the indie scene as Redbeard, maybe I'll feel differently when I see him again. Um, I know I'm gonna see him what rest in a couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and Cena and Dolph were the main ones that were just being tormented and tormented by these guys. Dolph was the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, weeks prior, he ended up losing the Intercontinental Championship to Luke Harper through shenanigans. Um, I think they ended up having him wrestle like two or three times in one night. He kept defending it, defending it, defending it. Finally, boom, he lost it. Uh, but him and Luke Harper had one hell of a ladder match the next month. Um, but this, as I said last week, you really thought Dolph Ziggler was going to just be in the stratosphere. And you really thought Dolph Ziggler was going to be the next big thing, finally. Um, and after that, they after that ladder match, they did nothing. So, and I think John Cena's come up out before publicly in some interview he did and said the problem with Dolph is he's too giving, and he and he and he doesn't really fight. So he might just be happy with his spot. Which you know what? If he's happy, I'm happy. You know, that's the thing we got to remember as fans is that sometimes some people just don't want more responsibility. You know, I think Cody Rhodes said it best after he lost to Darby Allin. He said, you might be a loner, but now you're a leader. And sometimes some people don't want to be that. You know, when you get these championship belts, you have to be a... That's why... And I'm not trying to crap on anybody, but... That's why Jeff was never given too long of a title reign anywhere he went. Because he couldn't be trusted. Because I don't think Jeff ever wanted to be a leader. Jeff Jeff liked the art of wrestling. He didn't like necessarily to do the politics of wrestling. And stuff like that, you know. And so, and we all know that Matt is clearly, clearly the lifer. 
I can see Jeff retiring one day, and you never see Jeff until he goes into the Hall of Fame. I can see that. You know, and you know what? If that makes that person happy, I'm all for it. You know, so anyways, um, this was just really good. Next, I went into details about this last week. I don't want to rehash it and sort of the same thing. But either way, Sting debuted in this match. Dolph ended up pinning the last three people, which was Luke Harper, Corporate Kane, and Seth Rollins. And the place went crazy. You know, this uh, this is worth, this is an hour-long match, though. So, you know, I know some people say, hey, if you have 20 minutes, go watch it. Just be aware, this is this is all of all of an hour with with all the with all the entrances with all the moments you don't want to miss and once the, you can skip the entrances but once you get into the moments of the match you need to watch this match it's important so i would, I would still say it's, even with all this stuff it's got to be at least 45 minutes so check it out number two was wwe team wwe versus team alliance 2001 this was the end of the invasion pay-per-view as i said we touched on some of this already um last week but to me this match there was so many different storylines beyond the invasion you had the Kurt Angle betrayal who became he, he became a sleeper agent for Vince McMahon and ended up helping WWE, Team WWE win um, but also you had the Jericho feud with Rock him and Rock were going back and forth for the last like two or three months with Jericho actually winning the WCW World Heavyweight Championship from the Rock and then um, The Rock winning it back. But those two just had so much bad blood and animosity towards each other because Jericho was leveling up. And The Rock was like, not on my account, not not with me around, you know. And so you had Jericho almost cost The Rock, because at the time he was using the skull-crushing finale as his finisher. Like, he had changed his finisher to the skull-crushing finale. This is obviously way before Miz was even, I think Miz was probably still on Real World. Um, but... Um, he used it, and, and he almost cost him the match. And, and to me, the back and forth between Jericho and, excuse me, between uh, Jim Ross and Paul Heyman, we got some gems from WrestleMania until Survivor Series. Uh, it, was, it was a little bit before WrestleMania. But um, we got some gems in that commentary era between those two. Um, but to me, to this night was, you, you hear the desperation in both people's voices, the surprise. Um, I remember Bubba Ray Dudley after they saw Kurt Angle turn their back on him. He yells at Stephanie, "What was that?" <laughs> you know, this was this 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 is another match that was a full hour too. Um, uh, it, it, once again, to me, it, Survivor Series is one of those pay per views, and I know I'm gonna get the real the 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 wrestling fans, the ones that like, you know, just work rate all the time to get all pissy right now. But to me, a lot of times. It's not just about work rate. Because these Survivor Series matches drag. They just do. You have to be invested in the entire story. I remember being, for as long of a wrestling fan as I've been, I was on my heels during that team scene, during Team, team Authority match. Because even though I knew that Sting was debuting, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I didn't expect what I expected. I still think they kind of pulled the trigger on the wrong person he wrestled with. Especially since he lost at that mania, but to me, I was on my heels. This one, I wasn't on my heels. I, I, I already knew. I was actually in military school when this actually happened, and, and they ended up boarding the pay per view for us. Um, but to, to me, you have to be invested in every story, in every elimination. 
And so to me, these things kind of plow along sometimes. They're meant to slow down before they then speed up. The very end of this is very slow. Because I think by this time, there was a little bit of uh, rub off of the Austin Rock feud, you know? Um, and, and, and so, like, they, to me, you know what, when it just became the Rock and Steve Austin, it reminded me of the pay-per-view WrestleMania 2000, where the fail four-way main event was just kind of slow. When it got to these two, it got really slow. But I think that's because you, you were hoping it would be different people. But it needed to be the team captains that were the ones that were um, that were kind of just there. You know what I'm saying? That, that were there in the end for their team. They couldn't get eliminated. So story-wise, it made sense. However, to me, these, these matches can be kind of slow and plodding sometimes. Um but it's still worth the watch. But this this is all of an hour as well, and I would say it's over an hour without interests. It, it's very much um, they try to keep you on the edge of your seat for this match. Um, but like I said, for all the complaints you get about the, the alliance and the invasion, they're all warranted. At the same time, as I said before, I said this, I said this a billion times. If I'm Vince McMahon, I'm not paying what those ridiculous contracts were. I would have just waited though, me personally. Um, at the time, they probably didn't know that they couldn't. Well, Vince McMahon's a smart businessman. I'm pretty sure he probably figured he could work something out. But at the same time, you just remember these are so many people that he that we want him to bring back, like Hogan, Hall, and Ash. They left for the money, so he already knows not to even ask them to come back and take less money. You know, to me, for someone like a Booker T, it did wonders. It didn't DDP no favors. But Booker T wonders because he got into that system, he got, he got to learn the system, and and then he, he got to transition from not just being a bad guy, but being an entertaining person. I always thought Booker T was entertaining. He's, I said this before, he's one of my top favorites of all time. Um, but going from WCW to WWE, we all know it was just different. So I think I, I did wonders for him, and that's why he's able, been able to have the career he ha- has had. Whether you like him on commentary or not, whether you like him or not, I just think it helps. Um, number three, Team Bischoff versus Team Austin. This was in the this was a 2003, by the way. This is when there was co GMs, and um, to me, this was some entertaining stuff. I think you got to see. I think we all knew at this point, and if you didn't know, I think you were kind of in denial that Austin wasn't wrestling again. I think we all knew that, you know. Um, and this was for control of Raw altogether, and they had their best teams. Uh, put together, and and Randy Orton has always been known as Mr. Survivor Series for a reason. He's always, he's just shined there, you know, for whatever reason, he's shined there. Um, so anyways, uh, getting down to this, the, the nuts of, crooks of it, that's what it was. It was for control of Raw, the losing GM got fired. Well, they ended up kind of taking that back because Linda McMahon, after Austin lost this match, uh, or Austin's team lost this match, excuse me, Ended up making him the sheriff. The sheriff thing didn't last very long, but um, I, I to me I don't. I guess they didn't want to get too old, um, because I remember on a DVD Steve Austin had he said it went went way too short. I agree. Normally WWE has a way of either cutting things off way too early or keeping them going way too long. They don't know how to get to that sweet spot of all right, it's time, you know. Now to note, take that back. To me, when they broke the shield up was perfect timing. Cause they, even though they had just turned, they really just turned babyface. That was a perfect time. 
because they had wrestled everybody as, as they could and, 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 and that they could. And more importantly, they did everything they could except for win world titles. They had to go their separate ways to then come back to each other to win world championships. This to me was way too short. But the very end was left Shawn Michaels, and he was uh, alone with Randy Orton, and Michaels was a just a bloody freaking. He was a bloody mess, and with all type of nefarious means, Orton ends up getting the the final pin. One of the highlights to me was watching Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels walk down the aisle, because the crowd now is silent, and like Austin's like distracted, trying to, you know. Get Eric Bischoff out of, out of the way, but then he he misses what happens to Sean, and Sean is like I said, just blooding. He's just a bloody mess. But there's a walking down the aisle together. Sean has his head down, bloody. He's like looking down. Austin's just like looking at him sideways, and and like it just it just looked like wow, like you, it looked so he looked so disappointed, like you let me down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how it looked. It was so. Bad, but to me, this was a, a really good match, and to me, the crowd was really important. This was really important to this match, because because Shawn Michaels, you always feel like Shawn Michaels is, is in it, even if you know he's gonna lose, you just know Shawn Michaels is 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 in it, right? And when he lost, the crowd went silent. So, and this one like this one like good forty minutes as well, but I would suggest you guys watch this one too, just because. Before the crowd reaction, no one could believe it. You know, and people were just, it was over. It was like, really? That's it? You know, and Sean put one hell of a fight. Um, this was another mix and match and, and hodgepodge of teams and all this other stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm looking up the teams right now. Because when I wrote this, I just remembered this match. Uh, and I remember the final, the, the final sequence. Um but I don't remember like the exact teams. I, I remember the final two it came down to. But um, all right, let me see. Looking at right now, I don't know why I do this. This is so bad when I'm doing this on the air. But it doesn't matter. Whatever, my show. All right. So here's the thing. Team Bischoff had Chris Jericho, Christian, Mark Henry, Randy Orton, and Scott Steiner. A weird team there. But Team WWE, me, Team Austin was even weirder. You had Booker T, the Dudley Boys, Rob Van Dam, and Shawn Michaels. Um, so it was just really, really weird teams. But also a part of Team Bischoff that was like managers or whatever was Eric Bischoff, Theodore Long, and Stacey Keeler. So a whole lot of like distraction there. You can see that coming from a mile away. Um. And, and matter of fact, it's not even 40 minutes. Look, it's 30 minutes. Um, but still good. Um, it was better than a lot of the stuff on the show. Like, when I look up and down the show, this is the, the final night of the American Badass Undertaker. And so, if you want to call the American Badass Undertaker, the one that wrestled AJ Styles, that or not wrestled, but fought AJ Styles in the uh, graveyard or bone digger match or pick your nose match, whatever it was called. Um... You can say that, but this was the final night of the American Badass. Kane helped bury alive the Undertaker. Um, Goldberg also won the World Heavyweight Championship from Triple H, or defeated him at least. So this match wasn't very good. Oh, this was also a match that um, I, I, or the night. No, this wasn't that the night. This was this was a thing leading up. This was a Shaman Man uh, Kane match, ambulance match. But leading up to this is when 
Kane, uh, you know, attached, uh, uh, what, what are those things called? Um, the things that help, help you jump your car. Jumper cables. He attached one one to a uh, Shaman Man's balls and the other to a car and supposedly electrocuted his balls, which was still one of the most hilarious things I've seen in my life. But anyways, I'll watch this match. Now that I know it's only 30 minutes, I, I think with inter- I, was, I was counting with entrances, it's 40 minutes, but it's like 27 minutes. Go out your way to watch it. It's cool. Number four. We touched on this in one of the top five best elimination matches. You have the Shield, Cesaro and Swagger versus Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Usos, and Rey Mysterio. To me, this match was good because it showed it, it, it showed the dominance of Roman Reigns. But also, at the same time, there's so many stories leading up to this. Leading up to this, Cody, well, Cody and Dustin were tag team champions at this point. They had defeated the Shield, who were Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, for the tag team titles like two weeks prior. Now, months before, Cody is about to get married to Brandy. And so they start this story, and I have, obviously they're, they're, they're going to write him off. Well, the authority is in live and living color, and Randy Orton was WWE champion at the time. And um, so Triple H and Randy Orton just begin this crusade of messing with the Rhodeses. And um, they say, well, we weren't invited to the wedding. All right, cool. You're, and so the Troy says, you're, you're going to get a WWE title shot. Cody says, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. If you lose, you're fired. He said, oh, really? So Cody, of course, loses to Orton. That's the way of writing him off television. So Goldust comes up the next week and says, hey, man, what the, what the hell, dude? You know, blah, blah, blah. So they say, hey, you get a championship match, too, but you lose your fire, too. And I remember that match. I remember that Raw. The fans knew Goldust wasn't winning the WWE title. But they were going crazy. I don't... And, I really wish, I, and I didn't know I was going to go this far back. That's why I didn't do my research. But now I wish I would have done my research and, like, so that way I could tell you guys which Raw it was on. If I remember, I may do it. I know I'm not going to remember, but if I do, I will. The crowd was so, like, there were so many hope spots. So many hope spots for Gold Dust. I didn't believe it. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but it, 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 was a hell of a, it was a hell of a match to let you know that Gold Dust still had something in the tank. You know, he's he's really a phenom, like, when it comes to the conditioning he keeps himself in to, to be such a good wrestler. You really you really know that, unfortunately, he, because he had issues, some of his prime was kind of wasted, you know, unfortunately. But that's that, that's okay, you know. He still has a hell of a career, and he's still, he's still a Hall of Famer in any, in any regard. But um, he ends up losing. So then Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, comes up to the main roster. You know, he was helping in FCW at the time. And they end up firing him. So, the, long story short, ends up getting to back to where they end up having this match at, I believe it's Battlegrounds uh, of this year. And it's Cody Rhodes and Dustin with Dusty Rhodes in their corner versus The Shield. Uh, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. And Dean Ambrose is in their corner. And if the Rhodes win, they get their jobs back. And... The emotion, the level of emotion, the roller coaster in this match was amazing. I love this match. I absolutely love this match. I can still watch this match at all time because of the level of emotion in it. And you see it on Cody Rhodes' face. You see it on Dustin's face. Um, you see it in Dusty Rhodes' face. To me, I think that moment was so special for them to have that before Dusty died. Obviously, no one was thinking that, but just to... To know that moment was had, to me, was really freaking cool because it's kind of like, 
<coughs> I can only imagine um, what that was for Dusty to have his kids in that moment, but for them to have their dad in that moment, you know. And pretty much that match, that, that match wasn't for the tag team titles. That was just for them to get their jobs back. And so um, Dusty did the whole thing, the whole the whole bionic elbow to to, 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 to Dean Ambrose and and um, Cody. He grabs Seth. You see him just the emotion on his face, and the crowd is just building and building and building. And like you see emotion on his face, he grabs him for the crossroads. He hits the crossroads, a hell of a crossroads. Not as much, not as bad as that avalanche one, but it was a great one. The crowd goes crazy. One, two, three. Goldust rolls into the ring. You see the the emotion on his face. He starts crying immediately once the three count hits. They're hugging. Dusty's crying. They get into the ring, and they get their jobs back. Well, fast forward two weeks later, um, because they got their jobs back, Triple H now punishes air quotes. You can't see me doing that. The Shield. And says you guys have to put your tag team championships on the line against these guys. You have to beat them. Well, by this time, this is the, the big show moment I was talking about. This is the, the year prior, though. Um, big show, who the, th- the authority was messing with for weeks, for weeks, for weeks. Big show comes out at the end of the tag team match. Roman Reigns puts his head under the rope. Says, "What are you doing?" Big show hits a knockout punch. Uh, Goldust pins Roman Reigns. They win the tag team championships. Um, but the, the emotion that these guys had, I don't think there's a greater high until they probably got, until uh, Dustin and uh, Cody got that five-star match they had out of uh, each other uh, from, what was it a double or nothing in Vegas? The first double or nothing? Um, but that that crowd, I'm sure it was nothing like that moment, though. Anyways, fast forward to this match. That's the backstory pretty much behind this match. Everyone else is kind of just filler. Rey Mysterio, I think this is his first match back in a while. But... Uh, Seth Rollins was the only person that, that uh, eliminated somebody else. I think he eliminated uh, one of the Usos. I think it was like I think he eliminated Jimmy. And otherwise, everyone else got eliminated by Roman Reigns, and that was pretty much his way to, of you know the, you seen who they were gonna push. You know he eliminated all four guys by all four other guys by himself. So um, then it was just him and Mysterio. So, but anyways. Check that out. I believe that's like a that's that's not there's no that match has to be like 16 minutes. It's nowhere near. It's not even 20 minutes. It's like 16 minutes. That's if you gonna check one match out, you can check that out. That's on this list. It's probably the shortest match on here. This match it definitely goes an hour. And I was gonna try to stick with the, the traditional Survivor Series matches, but this one this was too good to not take out because I felt like this started a new era. And um, I talked about it a little bit last week, but I, once again. The genesis of the match, this is, by the way, this is the first Elimination Chamber match. It had Booker T, RVD, HBK, Triple H, Kane, and Y2J. So, a little backstory. Vince McMahon is being pushed, uh, or Vince McMahon is, has Triple H in his ear. And Triple H is like, hey, let's do war games this year. Let's do war games this year. Let's do war games this year. Vince McMahon did not want to bring it back. He had no interest. But he said, I will appease you. I will, we, we should come up with a new match type, though. We should have something new. Um, for the fans, so they end up coming up with a chamber match. And from everything I've read, Triple H was supposed to retain the championship. Um, I have no idea if that was a power play on Triple H's part or not. But to me, there's validity to this because he won the championship back the very next month. But 
Triple H was supposed to retain the championship. And and I believe from my research, the call was made that day that, hey, Shawn Michaels is going over. Now, I don't think they thought at the time Shawn Michaels was coming back. Because Shawn Michaels was supposed to be one and done at Survivor Series 2000, excuse me, at SummerSlam 2002. That's a whole other show we can do right there. Great pay-per-view. Great match. Um, and they know they're going to get him. Then when they convinced him to come back for the match, I think that's when Vince said, if we're going to get him to come back for this match, he needs to win the match, which, duh. <laughs> you know, duh. Um, um, but I remember when I first heard about this, this concept and the bulletproof glass and the chain link fence or whatever, and you could see the difference now. I guarantee you, because you could hear when those wrestlers were smacked the, the great. I could only imagine the years it took off some people's careers that they were in that match. Now it's like the softer pads and everything, and I know some people don't like it because you could tell it doesn't hurt. Dude, I don't want these people to get hurt. Not for my entertainment. I am not that, dude, I am not that serious. I live with pain every day because of, of my skin disease. I have no interest in seeing other people in pain constantly. So, no, that's not something I need to watch to get myself off. Well, anyways, there wasn't really... Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to break down each character story for you. So, Triple H was... This was, you could say, technically the genesis of the Reign of Terror, right? So, Triple H, in September, is handed the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, he was handed the World Heavyweight Championship because Brock Lesnar refused to work both shows. Storyline. Ironically enough, that would come to fruition. <laughs> um, but at the time... And you know what? That could be a whole other show, too. Just I, I, get, I, I, I know I'm getting off topic here. But people always clamor for one champion. People forget in the first, very first brand extension, up until SummerSlam, when Brock Lesnar won the WWE Undisputed Championship, the champion did travel. Undertaker was on both shows when he was champion. Triple H was on both shows when he was champion. Hogan, even though he only had one month with the belt, he I think, I think he only did... One SmackDown and one Raw prior to that, but I'm pretty sure it's because his cost of using him was so much. But every champion, and I, let's, let's do let's do the count. So there was an undisputed. The brand extension started after WrestleMania 17, right? No, WrestleMania 18. Excuse me. So you had Triple H who came in as champion because he won it at WrestleMania 18 from Jericho. Then you had Hogan. Then you had Undertaker. Then you had Rock. So those four champions traveled for that five-month period to both shows. They did. And the champion wasn't really booked very well. And when I say that, some of the things just didn't make sense. And I don't trust that in this era they could do any better with one champion being on both shows. You know, because the problem was, part of the problem was, they were still wrestling two times a week. Well, I guess we're being, I'm being nice saying two times. They're probably wrestling four or five times a week. You know, that, that's more chances for your champion to get hurt. Your champion should feel special. To me, that's why Brock Lesnar still has some appeal to some people because he felt special. He feels special. Well, anyways, um, so Triple H's backstory is he's handed the World Heavyweight Championship. In this time period, uh, Kane was the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, and um, he ends up, no, no, what, let me get this right. Yeah, I'm right. Uh, Kane was the Intercontinental Champion. He ends up defeating RVD and Kane in back-to-back months in pay-per-views uh, with Ric Flair's help. That's when the, the first association with Ric Flair you see. Um, I believe September pay-per-view was Rob Van Dam. 
He cheats to win. Fast forward. King's the Intercontinental Champion. And at the, I don't know the name of the pay-per-views. They changed so much. Sorry. But that next pay-per-view is October 2002 pay-per-view. King's the Intercontinental Champion. And Triple H is the World Champion. Well, they they unite the belts. They, you know, uh, officially discounted the Intercontinental title at that moment in time. And um, Triple H wins. Cheats again. Unites the belts. I think that was like his fifth Intercontinental title reign too, because it was recognized. So then you go there. So that's Triple H's backstory. That's how he got to the chamber match. Kane and RVD already had to fuse with him and, and Ric Flair. So those are documented. Um, Booker T got the shot in the chamber by winning, um, uh, I believe winning a match. Oh, let's see. Pretty much he, he won a match and then Triple H, that he, he won a match he wasn't supposed to win. It was similar to how he won that Battle Royal, and he threw Rock over last, and that's how he got the match at WrestleMania 19. They were just starting the genesis of that feud. I don't know if they knew they were going to WrestleMania with Booker T and Triple H, but everyone had a problem with Triple H to where they were costed, they costed, listen to me, they were cost matches by Ric Flair and Triple H. And I believe Booker T ended up overcoming it, but winning one match, by the end of it, Triple H and Ric Flair jumped him. That's how it happened, yeah. So, um, anyways, um, everyone, that's the crux of this whole thing. Everyone had some kind of problem with him, except for Y2J. Y2J at the time was a tag team champion, had one half of the tag team champions with Christian. Um, and so Jericho got into the match just by Eric Bischoff putting him in it. Because if you look at this, it was, it was not heel heavy. Kane was a face at the time. HBK was a face. RVD, Booker T were all faces. There was only two heels. That was Jericho and Triple H. Anyways, um, so as I said earlier, going into this match, Triple H was supposed to retain. That then they when they got Shawn Michaels to agree to come back, they said no. Triple Shawn Michaels needs to win, but obviously they knew that Triple H was getting that, the, the belt back. Anyways, um, this match was yeah, this was, this was all an hour, and now I remember watching this live too. Matter of fact, I think Jonathan Esther was at my house watching it with me. I was I went into it hoping RVD or Triple H will excuse me RVD or Shawn Michaels will win, um, and I just I actually doing my research I just realized one thing I didn't know this. I never knew this until this year, so what eighteen years later I didn't know this but apparently it was a botch in the match well it was more than one botch, but the the main botch in the match that kind of threw the match off was Shawn Michaels was not supposed to come out last apparently Kane was but Kane. Kane's door open, like that's the t- that, that you know how chamber works. You get five, four, three, and whatever. Then a door opens, right? Or like the lights shining from above, dun, 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 dun. and the sh- lights shine on Kane by a mistake. And so instead of them, re- obviously at that point in time, you can't say, "Hey, no, it's scheduled for me to come out last." So Kane just had to open it, and Kane had to come out. Um, I tried watching it again. Just to see if I would see any delay in it. You can see Kane like look off to the right hand side. So you know the referee is feeding him something. So then all of a sudden he comes out. So yeah. So but once again because of the way it's done. And the light is over everybody. So the light actually shined on him and he came out. So they they didn't adjust everything. Kind of on the fly. Um, Triple H then was also hurt. So Triple H was. If you look at most of that match. Triple H is down after Rob Van Dam does a five star frog splash. 
off the top of the cell or the cage or chamber. Um, he hit him. He his knee hit Triple H's trachea, and so Triple H is like pretty much down for most of the match. And um, you you see him. It's like it's like the Royal Rumble spots where you know someone's gonna last long because like they're like in their spot like in the corner like laying down and they're they're, they're pretending to be dead, you know. Um, but um, those are the only two things that I could see in that match. But that affected it. But I mean, it still was a hell of a match. I mean, if, if you didn't, if they don't tell you this this stuff, you probably wouldn't notice it. Um, well, Triple H, <laughs> you could tell. I'm gonna take a water break really fast. Um, no, with Triple H, you could tell because like one, because Robert Dam's body hit, and obviously Triple H grabbed his neck, and like he looked like a he like he was convulsing pretty much. But anyways, this match is to me is a really good one. I don't, I have never, <coughs> excuse me, I have never uh, ranked my chamber matches. I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is the greatest one, but I think um, this is one of the better ones for sure. You know, it's really hard to mess up a chamber match. But as I said last week, they did with this year with Shayna Baszler. Um, but anyways, to me, this, this match uh, it just changed the game. It just made you, it, it, it just, it just changed the game, and also it just puts you into this crazy new era where you now had Shawn Michaels that was your world champion. You didn't know where it was going to go, and even though Shawn Michaels lost the very next month at the pay-per-view, he ended up going on to have a great feud with Jericho that became even greater years later. Um, but yeah, you know, this match just it, it stands out. And to see the look at the six names that are in there, look at that team, all former world heavyweight champions. You know, I would dare say look, that's just their resume speak for itself. Um, but I thought the story was great going into it. You know, Triple H locked in the chamber. Ric Flair can't help. He's pissed off everybody in this match except for Jericho. But Jericho wasn't too hard to piss people off too. You know, so. Anyways, so that is your five best matches, in my opinion. You have Team Cena versus Team Authority 2014, Team WWE versus Team Alliance 2001, Team Bischoff versus Team Austin 2003, The Shield, Cesaro, and Swagger versus Cody, Dustin, Usos, and Mysterio 2013, and then you have 2002, the first ever Elimination Chamber match. So that is my little Survivor Series uh, series, I guess. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, I wanted to get all this done before Survivor Series because, you know, the show drops on Monday. Um, this show will drop on a Sunday, so it will be separate from another show. Um, and so that way you guys can just listen to this separately. So, anyways, that is this show for for this time. And by the time you listen to this, hopefully you... No, you should listen to this before you listen to a new show. So, anyways, however you listen to your shows. Either way, enjoy this. Have a good one. <laughs>